Thompson with seven to shoot, a minute 10 to go in the game. Warriors up seven. Clay, dribble drive, throws out to Curry, steps to his left, takes the three, got it! 122-112, Warriors. Now back to 95-7, the game. So you want to be starting something with Whitey Gleason, Kyle Madsen on 95-7, the game. With your help today at 888-957-9570, we are properly framing the great Kevon Looney in the pantheon of all-time unsung Bay Area sports heroes. Although that has been rife with controversy with our own Kyle Madsen saying he's not even unsung anymore, which is an interesting take. Kyle, I know you have a 49er blog and podcast. Thank you. Relax. One going to jump I, through this microphone. I know. I know. Well, I was going to ask you to, a, a question <laughs> here, but you, you have the answer in front of you. This is interesting. A couple of people, Rich in D.C. from the 650 and then somebody from the 415. And by the way, you have Texas. Put your name on it so we can give you uh, credit. Have both named the, the same former 49er, and it's Tom Rathman. How about that? That's really strong. I like that a lot. Unsung hero of uh, some of the 49ers uh, Super Bowl teams. Can you define unsung hero for me? Because I just don't want to sell Kavon short here. An unsung hero, yeah. A guy who's not close to being a star. And, you know, you it's not hard in sports today to be a star. Superstars are one thing, and there are megastars. A star player to me is pretty much anybody who's like a regular um, starter is a star. Kavon Looney wasn't even... He wasn't even part of the starting lineup not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, It's like, yeah, okay, well, I guess, well, we'll start Loon. And then look at this. So he's his performance is exceeding expectations and his reputation. So I don't know if that is a a very clear definition, but that's about the best I can do as far as an unsung hero. Guy was barely recognized, and yet he's playing out of his mind. I feel like Otto Porter is more of an unsung hero than Kevon Looney. Yeah. Well, fourth not quarter to say, porter? Not to say, fourth not quarter to say, porter? That's him. Not to, say, not to say he's been better necessarily, but when we come out of a game, I feel like Otto Porter is kind of the last guy that comes out because his numbers aren't, aren't flashy, but he always just kind of does the right thing. Like, they're better with him on the court. From the 5-1-0. Like we just don't talk about him that much. Somebody you can rely on, but who doesn't get credit from the 408. Can't define unsung hero. I just know it when I see it. So there's a couple attempts at defining <laughs> it. Perfect. I'll know it when I see it. The perfect way to describe it. Um, Kumar has one that I don't think you're going to like, Kyle Madsen. Oh, I'm there already pissed. Front row seats I'm and then so leaving mad. the game to go do your podcast. Looney and Trey Lance comparisons aren't bad. Both young guys are on the rise with a lot of people saying they're both underrated and overrated trey lance <laughs> i said you weren't gonna like it that's nice of kumar to listen and make the suggestion yeah, I, shout I'm out with you i'm yeah um different I mean, things as as, different different yeah. different very very different things because we don't know what trey lance is we've not <laughs> seen him play enough that's one of the key factors though to me kumar and kyle um, is the fact that Looney was, you know, in terms of the draft expectations. Trey Lance, we know expectations are still really high. Come on, Looney, there have hardly been any expectations. Somebody texted us a few days ago and was asking about, hey, Wiggins and Looney, what's, what's you know, compare them like their, their approaches. And Wiggins has always been like, number one pick, you're the guy. What do you got? You got to be great. And Looney's been like, oh, you're still here? 
So you know, it's <laughs> a whole it's a whole different well, set of expectations. Do you know? Do you know what year they that the, I'm going to give it away? They didn't win the title, but 2019 to me, Kavon Looney was an unsung hero in that series. Because remember, yeah. he got he took the he took the like shoulder to the chest from Kawhi and like broke the rib cartilage or broke something where oh, it was yeah. like yeah. where it was like man, it's going to be nigh impossible mm-hmm. for him to mm-hmm. play. And then he went out and continued playing with what was supposed to be this horribly painful injury. That's right. And played through that and played pretty well. That's where it was like, man, that's that that to me was doesn't get enough appreciation. All we've talked about for the last two days is Kavon Looney. He has he has gotten his flowers. Yeah, and then the year after that, of course, the gap year, and he's, I think he played 20 games. Somebody made the point earlier, and we yesterday when I was on with J.D., we talked to Mark Medina about this. Mark Medina wrote about how Kevon Looney, one thing he felt was that he had a reputation of being a guy who was hurt a lot. And he, you know, in college, he played all the time. So he actually went and worked with specialists and changed not only his workout routine, but his entire diet, Kyle. I think you're like me in that regard. I don't even want to think about drastically altering my diet to the point where I'm having, you know, like cleansing vegetarian smoothies and no sugar. And and I know it's great. and I know it's good for you. And I wish I was that disciplined, but I can't even fathom that. But Kevon Looney fully embraced that. He's a pescatarian and it's just transformed him physically. And he played every game this year. I don't like fish enough to become a pest. In fact, I don't like fish really at all. So I could not do the pescatarian thing. But I think could if, you be a toddatarian? A, d- a toddatarian? Could I be? I already am, Whitey. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that, I think that if I knew that the amount of money was on the line that is on the line for Kevon Looney, um, I knew if that was on the line, I would have no problem doing some kale shakes and things of that, things of that nature. And if I had the money to do it. And have somebody, you know, plan out my meals for me and and get my groceries and all that. Like I would I would absolutely I'd commit to that. Yeah, I'd like to think I could. To be honest, I don't know that I could, but I understand uh, the upside. And it's been it's been an amazing story, an amazing uh, career arc for Kevon Looney. We'll see where it goes from here. Because I, I think it wasn't that long ago the Warriors might have thought, we'd like to have him back, but we'll see. And now, I mean, it's hard to imagine him not coming back next year. It's hard to imagine the Warriors not doing everything they can to bring him back. Yeah, that's that's where it's going to be fascinating. Because like we talked about, does he have this same role on another team? Is he this effective on another team? If another team, so the Warriors might give him, you know, six, seven million a year, whatever it is. Is another team going to be like, yeah, hey, we think there's 12 or $13 million right. worth of production there. Do you remember when he was a free agent last time, the one team that apparently really pursued him? Boston. It was actually uh, Daryl Murray and the oh, Rockets. A lot of people think one of the reasons was because they're just trying Boston. to do whatever they could to dismantle. And maybe, I, I believe it was huge. Maybe Boston had interest too. But uh, people thought the Rockets were doing whatever they could to try to help dismantle you know, the machine that the Warriors had assembled. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of interesting, Game 3 tonight. Hey, let's face it, right? We're friends here. We can be honest about these things. The Warriors need tonight 
for Draymond Green to have a much better game than he had in Game 2. We could debate about Draymond this and that. There's no debating that without Draymond, they don't win the championships they've won. He's vitally important to everything they do at both ends of the floor. He was terrible in Game 2. I don't know why, but from the opening tip, to when he fouled out on a bad play, other than that one three he made. It was strange because you don't see a guy like him have those type of games. They desperately need him to be better tonight, Kyle. I expect they will, but they really need it. He was minus 19 in game two. That's really hard for a player of Draymond's caliber to do. I don't I don't have I'm not concerned at all. I just I, I don't think that Draymond Green is the type of player who's gonna play poorly and then go into a shell and be like, oh well, I'm I'm not going to play well again. I, I absolutely expect him to be better. I expect him to ratchet up the intensity on both ends of the floor. I think Draymond's going to have a really, really good game. You made an interesting point earlier that I, you know, I didn't really want to say, but I kind of agreed with. Yes. As you try to figure yes. out, we'll never know. We'll never know what, why Draymond had that rough night. But I, if I understood you right, I agree with you. He got off to a bad, bad start. And I know someone got mad when I pointed out that he had three of the first four turnovers earlier. Someone on the text line said, well, Looney, uh, or excuse me, someone said Poole and Curry had turnovers too. Yeah, but Draymond, as we discussed, don't need to belabor it, but he had three really bad turnovers of of their first four. Mm -hmm. And I think things snowballed on him. And I think he realized, you know, it's like a bad pass. All right, my next pass is going to be on target. Oh, I made another bad pass. Wow, we're getting our asses kicked here and I'm having a bad game and I think things kind of snowballed on him and he kind of lost his composure because he was so frustrated to be playing so poorly in such a big game at home when they were in danger of losing a home game to the Mavericks a team they know that they're better than yeah I think and and I think when you're when you're a player like Draymond and you make one mistake it's like okay well now I have to make up for it and now that that begets a second bad pass. And it's like, okay, well, now I have to really make up for it. And he tried this one where it was like this like low bounce pass, and he tried to like spin it back to the cutter, and it just it skipped out of bounds. And it was just, again, one of those passes that it's like, that's not there. That's never there. And it was like he was trying to get himself out of a rut by, by making a huge play that was going to be like, okay, that, forget all the other mistakes. When really in that spot, it's like, hey, just, you know what, settle down and make the right pass. Just make the correct pass. Like this pass, your pass doesn't have to lead to a bucket. Just get the offense going. Um, and I think that's what he'll do in game three. I expect him to settle down a lot. Uh, he's too smart of a player to play that poorly in back-to-back games. You know, when he uh, struggled offensively in that game against Memphis, when they got blown out, a lot of us, I remember uh, talking with Alan Stiles on, on Twitter, a lot of people recognize, like, wow, when he doesn't even want to look at the basket, they're a lot simpler to guard. Not that they're easy to guard, but it's a lot simpler to guard the Warriors when you know Draymond's not even going to look at the basket. But he recognized that from then on. Smart guy. And, again, we saw it in the last game where he, he had to take that three and he made it. So it's it's really – it's been – I don't know. It's been interesting to see him – Except that when for whatever yeah. reason Vlad just hasn't wanted to have an offensive game, but he well, recognizes the importance of that. And I and I think too that part of it is part of it is he he knows that the Mavs don't have the players like he's not gonna sit there and blaze away and shoot ten threes. I don't think he's gonna do something drastic like that. But he recognizes, especially when they're gonna double Steph and 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 Steph gets it to him and now he's getting downhill and he has that four on three. I think where we're going to see that aggressiveness is I think we will see him shoot more floaters. We will see him shoot more layups. We saw him have the and one in game one. I think his confidence is going to grow a little bit there because the Mavs just don't have the ability to guard him 
inside, really guard anybody inside. But, you know, this isn't Steven Jackson and, or I'm sorry, Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson anymore where it's like, man, Draymond's a real detriment when he gets inside. This is a Mavs defense where he can take advantage as a scorer um, when he gets going downhill. Like I said, do I want him sitting there shooting mid-range jumpers and threes? Not, not necessarily. That's not, that's not what we want. But do we want to see him getting downhill looking to finish maybe when he does get in the paint? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see his field goal attempts go up, and I would love to see him be a player where, okay, now the Mavs, when he gets downhill on against Maxi Kleba, they do send help. And now he's kicking it out to an open Clay Thompson or an open Otto Porter. And that's why I think the, the Warriors are in such a good spot in this series because when through these first two games, you've seen them pretty much score at will at all three levels. Like the other night, they only took 28 threes, but they hit 14 of them. Like they're getting so many good looks at the basket from three. I think every adjustment the Mavs make, the Warriors are going to have a counter punch. And I think that that's, that that's one of them. Let's, let's see Draymond be a little more aggressive offensively. That's great. Um, the Mavs are going to have to adjust to that. And that's going to lead to more good looks for Golden State. So I just, I think that, that they're in a, in a very, very good spot. And I do think that, Draymond Green does have to play better and I think ultimately he will play better because like I said he's such a he's so high IQ and I just don't think the Mavs really have the bodies to make his life consistently difficult yeah thank you Kyle now I apologize someone texting pointed out that I sounded like I was underwater and I well that's why I was underwater and I don't recommend it so I apologize that was probably silly to try to broadcast a little bit underwater it's just something I've been meaning to try and you know a big Spongebob fan so I apologize that was not a good idea sir yeah, and I, I it sounds a little bit like you were still there, and that's okay. I think maybe you were in the deep end. You were maybe, you know, 12, 13 feet, and you thought maybe you were 8 or 9, so you weren't quite there. We'll uh, we'll try and get Whitey back on a, a different connection. 888-957-9570 if you want to join the show. Um, getting getting back to Draymond real quick, and I think that the Warriors going to Dallas is, is a really, really fascinating aspect of this series because, you know, People say teams shoot better at home. That was that was something on on Twitter Spaces with Matt Nahigian and, and Lucas Alexander after after game two. You know, Lucas had said, um, you know, I'm a little bit worried about the Mavs going home because teams tend to shoot better at home. But I don't know how much better the Mavs can shoot it than they did in game two. They went 21 of 45 from three. That's their game. That's what they want to do. If you told Jason Kidd before game two, hey, we're going to give you 21 of 45 from three, he's saying, great, I'll take that because we're probably going to win that game. And he will definitely take it if you say, hey, the Warriors only hit 14 threes, and you're going to outscore them by 21 points from the three-point line. That's Dallas. That's what they want. That's how they're going to win games. They are just, they've they've embraced the three-point revolution, and their goal is to take as many threes and obviously make as many threes as humanly possible. And they did that in game two. They outscored the Warriors by 21 from the three-point line. That's what they want to do. They probably feel great about it. And they still lose by nine, and they tricked a 19-point lead in the process. So, okay, maybe the Warriors don't shoot it as well. They shot 50%. They were 14 of 28 from three. They've shot 56.1% from the field in the first two games. Okay, maybe they're not shooting it that efficiently, but I have a hard time believing that with Andrew Wiggins playing as well as he's playing and Clay Thompson, who's done a really nice job when his shot isn't falling of becoming a little bit more of a playmaker and then getting himself to spots 
where he is more comfortable and and he's still six for ten the other night, even though he's one of four from three. But he did have five assists. Steph Curry, thirty-two points, five assists. Um, Draymond Green, five assists. <laughs> Jordan Poole, five assists. Otto Porter, four. It's it's playmaking, it's distribution, and I think that they're doing such a good job of just finding good shots. It's not one player, it's not one action, it's not one thing. They are their offensive game plan right now is find good shots. Steph Curry talked about the team having space or space on the floor. They just have to find it. They're finding that space. They're taking good shots and and then they're making them. So I think that that's something that the Warriors are going to continue to be able to do. Scott is on the line in Hayward and it looks like Scott is, is he wants to talk about game three and I think I'm going to agree with his take. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Great show. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, yeah. The, the Mavericks are going to score, but but you look at the depth of the Warriors and how many guys the Warriors have that can contribute. You got Porter, you got Poole, you got Clay, you got Seth. Clay, Clay with a little hezzy move driving to the bucket mm. that at all. They can't stop anybody in the paint. So as yeah. much as they can score, it doesn't matter if they can't stop the Dubs from scoring. So what the Dubs have, 62 points in the paint? That, that's obscene when, when the Mavs have them as a height advantage up and down the roster. That should never, ever happen. So I just don't see... How this might not be, it could be, dare I say, a sweep, but maybe a gentleman's sweep. The Dubs tend to steal one on the road a bunch, but, you know, I'm feeling real good about this series. I don't know if the if the Mavericks have another gear if they can't play defense. So, you know, go Dubs, get it done. Hopefully we steal one. Maybe we steal two and end it early, get a little rest for those finals. And, uh, yeah, have a good day, gentlemen. Go go, go Dubs. And, and Whitey's robot underwater voice back in the action. We, we miss Whitey. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. We're uh, we're working on getting Whitey back here post haste, uh, but that's I I agree. That's that's been the biggest takeaway for me from this series is yeah. is I don't yeah I yeah. just he took shots at me. Didn't he take shots at me? N- n- no. Okay. Sorry uh, about that, Kyle. It's okay. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Go ahead. You're doing fine. I apologize. Proceed. No, my my the the biggest takeaway I've had is coming into the series. It's like man. Dallas's defense is really good. Their defense has been alarming. Yeah. And I just, again, I don't know where the adjustment is that's not going to allow Golden State to have open shots somewhere. Right. You know, part of it is, we discussed this earlier, Dallas is from their side of it. They'll say, you know, if we make more of our shots, that makes it easier for us to play defense. But I don't know if if the way they shot the ball um, in the first game and also in the second half of the last game, they just miss shots. Did the Warriors defend better? I don't know, but I thought it was very telling that Jason Kidd, after game one, said, we just got to make those shots. We had open shots. And then after game two, he was saying, well, when we miss four in a row, we know we we can't take the fifth. So I think that's kind of a mixed message. I'm not sure where his team is headed as far as he knows right now. (laughs) Right. They they want to shoot three. That's their whole thing. So when they're going to miss four, like, take the fifth one that's their that's their game plan and if that's what they're going to do if they're going to get out of that game plan and say like hey let's get Spencer Dinwiddie dribbling and getting into the paint great the Warriors will take that all freaking day yep I think if you you know we said Draymond needs to be better for the Warriors we know that from Dallas's standpoint who needs to be better in the last game I thought it was Brunson and he was, you know, he was pretty good. But I think Dinwiddie needs to be better. It starts there. Obviously, you mentioned Moxie Kleba. They need more from him. But Spencer Dinwiddie, 
he's really been just invisible so far in the first two games. For them to have any chance, they need him to have some kind of presence in the games that they're going to play in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. But then, okay, so so Spencer Dinwiddie's better, but I mean Reggie Bullock had 21 the other night. Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson had 31. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith had 10. He had he was three of six from three. Like they they did what they want to do, and they still lost by nine and mm-hmm, blew a 19. Mm-hmm. That's I was I was blown away by the number by the box score after the game and the the final score and how that game went. I think that the Western Conference Finals were the previous round. And I know that I may feel silly saying that after tonight. But I really feel that way. Memphis is really good. They're a really tough matchup in a lot of ways for the Warriors. That was a really good series. And I don't think Dallas, uh, taking nothing away from them because they won the games, they don't really belong here. You know, they've talked about we're playing with house money. I this reminds me of 2019 when the Warriors in the conference finals, they drew not Denver, but hey, we're playing Portland. You know, those were some good games, but Mm -hmm. it was a sweep because Mm -hmm. Portland really, again, taking nothing away from them. I think you get my point. They didn't really belong there. That's how I feel about the Mavericks this year in the conference finals. As we said earlier, their roster is still kind of a a work in progress. So I, I... I think the Warriors have every chance to make this a really, really quick series, but I don't think it'll be that stunning if that's the result. No, I don't think so. I think there was just a pretty dramatic overreaction when the Mavs beat the Suns as badly as they did in Game 7. Mm-hmm. It was this like, oh, maybe we've been sleeping on the Mavs. And again, they, they came back from 2 nothing down against Phoenix, so this series is not over. I don't, I don't want it to... But given what we've seen the first two games, it's really hard to be like to see in four of the next five Dallas just being the better team because they're just they're not they're not as talented. It's going to need to be the Warriors playing really poorly and the Mavs playing out of their minds. And I think that's been the big I think there was a thought coming in that like, man, Dallas is just better. They're just better than Golden State. And it's like, no, Golden State struggled with Memphis because Memphis is a hard matchup for them. You and I talked about it. Every show talked about it. Do you want Dallas or, or, or do you want? But Phoenix you and I, I think I, I think you and I talked about it first. I yeah, think no, we, we had first it first. One. We yeah. had it yeah. first, the most right. in depth, uh, the most comprehensive <laughs> version yeah. of this discussion. But it was in round two. Do you want Phoenix or Memphis? And there were a bunch of people that said Phoenix because Memphis is the tougher matchup. And I think people mm-hmm. just kind of forgot that. So when the Warriors get rid of them in six, and then the Mavs go and they beat the 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 Suns in seven and and crush them in Game Seven in Phoenix, it was like. Wow, look out for the Mavs. When really that was just recency bias because we saw the Warriors, you know, kind of sputter a little bit against the Grizzlies. And then the Mavs play as well as they did against the Suns. Well, this is a new matchup. It's a new series. And the Warriors so far have matched up really, really well with, with, uh, with Dallas. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk about the Suns. What happened to the Suns and what does that mean for the Warriors and their future? Also, how much of Game 2's real unsung hero not Kevon Looney, but how much a Game Two's real unsung hero will we see tonight on the floor for the Warriors? That's next. Kyle Madsen, Whitey Gleason, 95-7 the game. Curry with a dribble. Finds Thompson. Clay squeezing in defenders. Finds Wiggins above the break. Left side. Got it! Wiggins seems to be the guy who's going to be open in this series. He's a double figures again. He's got 10. Now back to 95-7 the game. The good news on Andrew Wiggins, he says his ankle's good to go. So Wiggins will be playing tonight, game three, 
Warriors and Mavericks Western Conference Finals. Before we get back to that, it's Whitey Gleason, Kyle Madsen with you. I got a question for you, Kyle. We'll get right back to the Warriors, but what is going on with your beloved San Francisco Giants? Um, They're just not very good right now. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, they're playing a you know, really important National League West series against San Diego, and Padres having their way with them here, and the, uh, the Padres getting the brooms out, baby, the brooms. It, it's almost like relying on a bunch of players to have career years, back-to-back years, is not that good of a strategy. But it's only May, so we'll see, yeah. Right, right. Uh, Joey Bart, I know you're a travel league, you were a travel league catcher. Joey Bart today, you know, Casale got a foul tip, and they're dealing with that. Joey Bart 0 for 2 today, uh, one strikeout. He's striking out a lot, Kyle. What's going on with Joey Bart? I'm officially Bart? You... worried. I'm worried. Are you Joey really? Bart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When it was when Just... it was when it was through April, it's like, yeah, you know, it's fine. He's getting his sea legs, and maybe maybe he'll still be fine. But you know, he's still he's still young. But I, I it's not not super promising that he hasn't been. I, mean, I wasn't expecting him to be great out of the gate, but he's been downright bad. The consistent lack of contact is the most troubling thing, right? Yeah, well, and that's that's what was so so early on, like very early in the year. It's like, man, he's not getting a ton of hits, but he looks like he has an idea. And when he's hitting it, he's hitting it hard. Like th- he just needs more at bats. But I thought he would certainly get better with more abs, and he's just not, and that's concerning to me. I got to tell you a story. Um, my daughter went to school in San Diego, and we kind of became two degree Padre fans. So this is going back, you know, that great 2010 season uh, for the Giants, the Giants and Padres. It was a great race. Right. And in August, we went we went to a game at uh, was in, I guess it was uh, AT&T, whatever it was then. And it was um, I think Pablo Sandoval had a big home run and the Giants won in the 10th inning. They beat Latos. Um, and you know, we knew how that was, we didn't know how it was going to end up, but we know now that giants would go on to win that thing. So the next day we're having breakfast at a place in Pacifica and we're getting along great with the server, some young guy and happened to notice that he's talking to uh, some, some giants fans at the table next to us. And he's talking to, eh, and I said, you know, just being friendly. I'm like, Hey, you, um, I hope you don't have a problem if we got some Padre fans here. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, my daughter's from San Diego. And I'm just, you know, like joking with him. Like, hey, we're talking baseball. Yeah. And he goes, if I'd have known you root for the Padres, I'd have spit in your food. And Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we were just like speechless. And luckily, we had, you know, he, we, he, he'd served us. We were, <laughs> we were done just getting our bill. But I never forgot that. And I really should have complained. I didn't. Um, but it was like, oh my goodness, that was a remind that would just really, uh, brought home to me. Yeah. I guess some people are really, really behind these 2010 giants. I wouldn't, ne- why would you say that to somebody? I don't know. I don't That's, know. D- man, I yeah. would never go back to whatever restaurant you were at. And there's no question that, you know, he, he was not joking. He was not like, oh, come on. I'm just kidding. He was like, what? If I'd have known that, I'd have spit in your I just don't. That's not even something I would joke about, bro. Oh my god, I would I never know. go back to that place. I I'm ashamed that I let him off the hook with that. I didn't want to make a big thing, you know, and everything. Sure, with totally. There, but totally, yeah, I really should have at the very least called and hey, can I speak to your manager about something? Yeah, real hey, quick? we're not gonna actually eat this now. I'll take, <laughs> I'll leave. We'll go elsewhere. Yeah. No, I'm anyway. I'm very I'm very like I'm very much the like I don't want to make a scene in public. Like you could do. Almost anything, unless it's something I will just not eat, like fish. 
Like, but if mm-hmm. I order a burger, let's say I order a cheeseburger and you bring me a pizza, like I'm just eating the pizza. I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna be like, hey man, you got the wrong. It's just like great. I'm just gonna eat this. This is what I have now. But if it's like fish that I don't like, if it's like salmon and I don't like salmon, I'm not. I'm not gonna eat that. But right, that's a scenario where I would absolutely say something. Yeah. Uh, also, because part of it is like the scenario you described. You're like, these people work really hard, and I don't want to get any trouble. And this is fine, right? And I can eat this, and yeah, I'll just, I'll just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. Yeah. All right. It's Kyle Madsen, Whitey Gleason here on 95.7 The Game. Get ready for game three tonight, the Warriors and the uh, Dallas Mavericks. We talked a lot today, Kyle, about Kevon Looney, unsung hero or not, putting him, uh, comparing him to other unsung heroes, great unsung heroes in Bay Area sports history. But I do think, and I know you said, Kevon's not really even unsung anymore. There was a truly unsung hero for the Warriors in game two, and I don't think we can really quibble over this. I think we'll agree. Nine and a half minutes, big fourth quarter minutes for Moses Moody, the true unsung hero of mm-hmm. game two. Are you with me? Yes, I actually am. He was really, really good. He came in in the fourth quarter and basically played the entire fourth quarter until until I think there was like three minutes left. And those were the like crucial nine minutes of the game. And he was on the floor for it and making the right play. Um, he He made his only shot. He had an assist. Uh, he only had one foul. He was good defensively. I just I thought he played his way into the rotation in a huge spot for Golden State. Interesting story, and I think Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. He said they've had Moses Moody in mind for this series because, as as we discussed earlier, as Warrior fans know, going back to March when the Warriors played Dallas there, Dallas had a lot of success trapping Steph, and they kept Steph from attempting any shots in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, but Moses Moody had a big game that night because he was open and he knocked down some shots. So Steve Kerr says, we're aware of that. We looked at the film like, okay, how are they going to trap us here? Hey, look at Moses. Remember that great game he had? So they say they've had him in mind here. Um, Damian Lee, it, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because I know fans just, Damian Lee's terrible. Damian Lee actually shot the ball well against, um, I think it was Memphis he shot the ball well against. And he's a veteran. And when you're shorthanded without, you know, no Iguodala and no Peyton, you do have a veteran there who can knock down shots. Um, mm-hmm. People wonder, why is, why is Damian Lee playing? Because he's proven he can make shots. Well, he didn't play well in the last game. And I don't know how much more, if any, we're going to see of him in this series. I think Moses Moody has shown, at least for one game, he can handle that. He was excellent in that fourth quarter, which, of course, was when the Warriors ultimately won that game. Yeah, and I think, too, just, just to the Damian Lee point real quick, I'm not one of those, like, Damian Lee sucks. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not there. But if he's going to brick wide-open threes and then also commit bad turnovers and then also foul on defense, mm-hmm. there's, like, there's just zero reason he should be on the floor. And I, I love the fact that Steve Kerr was willing in that huge spot to say, all right, hey, Moses Moody, here's your real playoff debut. Go get him. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised, and maybe Steve Kerr said this and I missed this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, yeah, hey, let's get three minutes of Moody here. And Mm -hmm. then it turned into, okay, he's playing well. Let's give him five. Okay, hey, just give him the full ten. Or however many, what do you play, nine and a half minutes? Yes. Um, Yeah, so just give him, here, give him this full nine and a half minute burn because he's playing so well. I love the fact that they trusted him to do that, and I love the fact that he just went out and, and played so well. He looked like a veteran. 
He did. And for 19 years old, it's incredible. I made this comment yesterday, the day before, whatever it was. You watch the players on the bench, and for you, it's different because you're there, you know, hobnobbing right. with Adele mm-hmm. and everything. Adele, can you, would you get me something to drink, Adele? You know, rubbing elbows with Adele. Yeah. yeah. Aren't you the one who has that podcast? Of course I will. You are a, you are a, a travel. Trouble Sound just like her. Sound just yeah, like her. Wow. Yeah. Do I? Okay. Yeah. So I get all that. But watching on TV, we could see at one point, you know, they show the Warrior bench. And look, I understand completely. You see Kaminga, and he's kind of laughing about something, which is fine. But I noticed, Kyle, every time you see Moody on the bench, virtually every time, he is locked in. There was They were actually yes. showing Steph, and Moody's next to him. And Moody has what I call the Moody face. And he's looking up at the scoreboard. And, you know, it's like, dude, you're not playing in this game. What are you worried about? He ended up, he did play. But it's amazing for a 19-year-old how locked in he is and how he's all business. RMF, resting moody face. Okay. That's what he, that's what he has. Yeah, I, I, I think that that just speaks. To, because remember <laughs> when they, when they drafted, thank you, Dibs. I remember when they drafted him, it was like he's, he's more NBA ready than Jonathan Kaminga. He can, he can help right away. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing here. He's just very calm, cool, collected, not going to be a, a superstar, but just going to go out and make the right play. And if he can do that for 10 minutes a night, like that's huge for Golden State. That's absolutely enormous. Yeah, uh, I think they would have probably taken Duarte if they had a shot at him there. And Duarte mm-hmm. is great, I think, second team all-rookie. So that not that that would have been a bad pick. But Moody, here's the thing about the Warriors, and I, I mentioned earlier the Phoenix Suns. I don't know how you feel about this, Kyle. I think that one of the things that happened to the Suns is that basically from last year when they went to the finals to this year, they really didn't do a lot to get better. And I know they added Bismack Biombo and they added, I think, Torrey Craig. But basically, it's the same team. And mm-hmm. I think no matter who you are, whether you win or not, you have to improve because everybody else is trying to improve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, it's a little bit simplistic to say that's what happened to the Suns in Game 7 because, you know, who knows. But I think that's part of what happened to them, how they ended up coming up short. They just didn't really do enough to improve. The Warriors going forward – even if they don't make major moves in Moody and Kuminga and hopefully Wiseman and, and Poole, too, to a degree, you've got four guys who I think it's fair to expect will get better, and you don't have to bring in anybody. You've got this young core, hopefully. They all are improving. So even if you end up bringing back the whole crew, and I don't know if you will or not, if that's feasible, you're going to be better, hopefully, just by virtue of the fact that your young players are going to be better next year. Well, and remember last year too, and I think this this gets to kind of a bigger thing, is we talked about we talked about this a little bit with the 49ers and certainly with the Warriors of trying to like thread that needle between contending in the in the last several years of Steph Curry and then also building for the post Steph Curry era. Because I don't wanna again, I don't wanna we're we're getting ready for game three of the the conference finals. I don't wanna look too far into the future, but I think that that's a really hard needle to thread. And when you look at what Jonathan Kaminga did this year, and when you look at Jordan, what Jordan Poole did this year and is doing this year, when you look at what Moses Moody did this year and then what he did on Friday night, and let's say he just kind of continues that trajectory where he just continues to give them good playoff minutes, you start to feel really good when you zoom out and look over the next decade. It's like, man... The Warriors are set up in a pretty good spot to be really good for a long time, to continue being really good for a long time. And that's a hard needle to thread, and they're doing it. Mm-hmm. 
from the 650. LOL, Whitey doing his best, Mrs. Doubtfire. That was Adele, and Adele sounds nothing like Mrs. Doubtfire, sir or ma'am. So I don't even know. You may want to have your ears checked or something on that. But but thank you. Thank you for 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 listening. Uh, as we get ready for, for game three, Moses Moody was great. And then looking ahead to next year, Kyle, before the playoffs started, I think it was fair to question. I remember I was on with you, and I oh. questioned – yeah, you were asking me, are the Warriors a contender? And at the time I said, I can't consider them a serious contender right now before the playoffs started because I said, you know, incorrectly perhaps, but there's so many questions. Steph's been hurt. Dre's been hurt. Uh, and among the questions, Wiggins and Poole, are they going to be able to do this in the playoffs? Maybe. We don't know. Well, guess what? <laughs> they are. So now all of a sudden it looks like if you can – you want to bring everybody back next year. I don't know if that's feasible with uh, Porter and, you know, Poole. And it looks like Poole and Wiggins up for extensions. But all of a sudden, you got to feel great about almost the entire roster for next year. Well, I think, yeah, definitely. And even if, even if you know, Steph's a year older, Draymond's a year older, what does Clay look like? That's going to be kind of interesting. He's going to be a year older, but he's also going to have a full offseason to kind of rest and continue his rehab and I think hit the ground running next year. But I think you're going to get more from Jonathan Kaminga. I think you're going to get more from Moses Moody. Like you're going to see Jordan Poole's role grow a little bit. I think you're going to see Andrew Wiggins a little bit more comfortable uh, in in the role that he's in and being more consistently good. Like I just I think the Warriors are set up to continue to be to be to be good next year, even if they see a little bit of a dip from from their core three of Steph Clay and Draymond. Yeah. Um, speaking of that. Um, as as you look ahead to the to the rest of this uh, series uh, with Game Three tonight, um, are the Warriors going to need Steph to be Steph again like he was at the end of Game Two, where he ended up with uh, six threes in the game and he had some huge threes and put them to bed? How much do you think the Warriors need Steph to be more like the old Steph, the more dominant Steph, to take care of this series in in quick fashion? I don't think they do actually. I think this present version of Steph is just fine because it is a version of Steph that instead of taking a step back three where he hasn't been shooting it great from beyond the arc, he's blowing past his defender and getting to the rack and getting an easy shot. And if he's going to continue doing that where, okay, yeah, he hit six threes, but you know, there was the big one late, but there was never a real like flurry where it was like, man, Mm -hmm. Steph just scored 20 points in six minutes I don't think we're going to see that, but I do think we'll continue to see more efficient, making the right play, and that's what this is all going to come down to. If the Warriors continue just doing the right things offensively, I don't think they need anybody to have a particularly huge night, and I think if Steph's going to get 32 on on six made threes because he's shooting so efficiently uh, at or near the rim, I, I think that's going to work fine. Steph did some of the superstar-y things, if that's a superstar-y. Uh, he did some of the superstar things in the last game, the type of things that I don't think he always gets enough credit for. Um, he kept him in the game in the first half, and he recognized the need for him at times. Uh, yeah, he could get to the basket, but sometimes he knew, we. I, I got to take a three here. Kept him in the game in the first half, and then helped to finish off and bury the Mavs in the fourth quarter. And he just seemed to have a real sense of, this is what's needed right now. This is what we need from me without dominating the ball or throwing the team out of its offensive rhythm. 
he was able to recognize what was needed, and for the most part, he was able to do that. Um, you mentioned Clay earlier. This was a really interesting moment from from the last game, and not necessarily a real positive one. I don't think it was positive, but remember late first half, Steve Kerr tried to give Wiggins a quick rest, and so he takes Wiggins out, and he puts Clay on Luca, like two possessions in a row. And Luca just like, hello, thank you. They practically had to mop his drool off the floor. And he went right past Clay twice. And Steve Kerr realized, all right, that's not working. So he put Wiggins back in. So Clay clearly is not close to what he used to be defensively. It's possible that even without the injuries, you know, just because of age, maybe he wouldn't be that player at this point anyway, even without the injuries. But that's just the reality where Clay is right now. He's not that guy that you can uh, you can trust to lock down the other team's best offensive player. Yeah, at least not right now. And that's where you know when you when you say that about Clay, you have the people that say, "Well, wait until next year. He's still coming off the injury." Yeah. And I see all that. I agree with all that. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> how good of a defender Clay is in December of 2022 matters way less than how good of a defender he's going to be in May of 2022 and in June of 2022. I I think he's an effective defender when it comes to help defense and when it comes to uh, defending your Dorian Finney-Smiths and you know Jalen Brunson isn't going to back him down into the post. But a player like Luca, I just yeah I'm I'm with you. I don't think Clay at this point is. Because remember, he would guard Kyrie one-on-one and do a good job. I know. He would guard yeah. James Harden one-on-one and do a really good job. I just, A, Luca's just a little bit of a different animal. He's a big body. Like, you don't, I was there in person, so I saw him up close. He you were at a, the game? Yeah, I was at the game. You were hanging out with Adele? mm hmm I was sitting right next to Adele, watching Luca <laughs> up close. Uh, you know, Luke could hit a shot and be like, I did that. That was because you're How about watching. Lil John. Were you yeah. hanging out with Lil John? Uh, Lil Wayne, actually. And no, okay. I did not. Okay. I did not see. Right. I did not see Wheezy. Um, okay. But that's on purpose. I don't want to. I was, I was too busy sitting with Mr. Fab, friend of uh, Willard and Dibbs. Uh, so I, I um, he's a big body and he's just tough to deal with. So I, I would I'm with you. I wonder even without the injury, if Clay would be able uh, to hang with Luca. Um I'm not I don't know. I don't know where I'm at on on Clay Thompson's individual defense. Like he's 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 there. Yeah, one thing that is for sure, you watch Dallas and I think Memphis was the same way. They are glued to Clay. They don't want Clay to get going from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They're following him everywhere. Which again is one of the reasons why the Warriors are able to to get to the basket. I remember there was a audio clip we heard in the in the last round against Memphis. Desmond Bain was talking to somebody and was saying, I can't, I can't leave Clay. I can't leave Thompson. Or you know, he's going to be have an open three. And Dallas playing him the same way. They just don't want to give uh, Clay that opportunity. And I think the Warriors are waiting for a big three point night. I think they're waiting for Dallas to decide. All right, we're going to pressure the ball more, and maybe we're going to back off the three point line. I don't know if that would be smart. They're going to have to try something because they're not getting any defensive traction. I just think the Warriors will be ready for that. The Warriors could have a huge three-point night if Dallas is forced to shake things up defensively. Yeah, Clay's two. What's more surprising to you, the fact that Clay is shooting 25% from three for the first two games, or the fact that he's only attempted eight? Hmm. Um... I would say I'm not really surprised by either because, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, 
Because Dallas is that's that's it's a great <laughs> stat because it illustrates again Dallas is just so committed to running the Warriors off the three point line. So yeah, so, the shots aren't there, and we know, you know Clay has been inconsistent. It's hard for him to get his rhythm when he's getting so few three point shots. But Dallas is paying a terrible price for that, even though those numbers look like they're pretty encouraging for them. It's shocking to me. I'll say it. It's shocking to me that he's only taken eight threes because you said it. You said it. The Warriors are trying to run Klay Thompson off the line, but that's never stopped him before (laughs) from blazing away. So the fact he's only taken eight is is shocking to me. But I think you're right. At some point, the Mavs are going to throw their hands up and go, okay, fine. We're going to guard the lane because the Warriors (laughs) are shooting 60% in the series uh, on twos. We're going to try and make that a little more difficult for them. And and there is going to be in every series at least one game where Clay Thompson has one of those, you know, seven of fourteen, eight of fifteen type of games. And I definitely think there's one coming. And if there's not, because the Mavs are so worried about running the Warriors off the three point line, this is going to be a short series for Dallas. Yeah, as if there was any doubt that Dallas really needs to get it done defensively. Here's the fourth quarter. I have the fourth quarter box. And remember, they were up, what, I think they were up two going into the fourth quarter of the last game. And so in that fourth quarter, all right, Dallas, you have a lead. You're on the road. You're going to shoot 60% from the floor, which they did. You're going to make four out of your five threes. And you're going to end up losing going away. They really did perform well offensively. They only turned the ball over twice in that fourth quarter, and they lost that game going away because they could not stop the Warriors. And that that so this is a this is a great point. I'm glad you brought this up. So one of my friends is a big basketball fan that lives on the East Coast. But you have another fan. You have another friend who's just learning about basketball now. Yes. So yeah. I, okay. So so he texts me after game one and it's just like there's no good choices meaning what the hell do you do with golden state like there's not there's no good options for you defensively because they're just so deep Mm -hmm. and i think i think that this fourth quarter box score so you talk about what the mavs did offensively and how good they were they scored 32 points in that quarter 10 of 11 from the stripe four or five from three nine of 15 from the field that's really, really good. Dallas will take that every time. But the the crazy thing about Golden State is they scored 43 points in the fourth quarter. They mm-hmm. had 11 assists on 15 made shots. Mm-hmm. No player attempted more than four field goals. No player attempted more than two three-pointers. No player made more than one three-pointer. Mm-hmm. And of those 11 assists, Andrew Wiggins had the team high with three. They had seven players in the fourth quarter log at least one assist. Back to Wiggins. Like this is just right. a this is just a a deep team that is just everybody's doing the right thing. They're not leaning on one player where Dallas can say, Yep, wipe that guy out and it's done. Because guess what? There's another player who's just gonna step up and and take over that production. Yeah, we talked to Saint yesterday, and that's that's what he touched on. And his one of his sons is a coach on the Mavericks, but he said, you know, with the player movement, the ball movement, um, it, it's a very democratic offense. The Warriors run, and when it's clicking, it's just really hard to guard because you can't focus on this guy or that guy. It's a great point you raise. Uh, the way the Warriors are sharing the ball, and you look, weren't you talking? I think earlier about all the assists the Warriors had yeah. and how many guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Wiggins and Draymond and Clay and Steph and Poole all had five assists and Porter had four. So that's that's it's a 
sign that the offense is clicking, but also you try. How do we guard a team that's doing that? You have thirty three assists Boy, as a team, a and no, question. you have thirty three assists as a team, and nobody has more than five. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's <laughs> five players had five assists. What do you do? What do you do? And that's and maybe Dallas has an adjustment. And we go, oh wow, that was that was brilliant by them. But through two games, I've I've watched both games back. I was <laughs> I was at game two. I don't I don't I'm not a I'm not a thousand percent sure what Dallas does outside of like, well, maybe the Warriors start missing some shots. Yeah, you keep chucking threes. You hope they go in and you you have Theo Pinson on the bench going, Hey, hey, throw it to me, throw it to me, Steph, throw it to me. That's about all you got, Kyle. That's about all you got. Yeah, just just Bush League loser mm. stuff. That's what they've got. Coming up next, would a Warrior Championship this year? I know we're a long ways away from that. Maybe it's premature, but it, you can certainly see it on the horizon. Would a Warrior Championship this year be their crowning achievement? It's next, Kyle Madsen, Whitey Gleason, and you on 95.7 The Game.